0: mercy and your grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you you for the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Thank you Lord Lord, that we're sanctified by the washing of water by the word. Thank you Father that we can come boldly before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God, this is a time of need for our country, for our people, for your children, God. And so we look to you, Father, to have all our needs met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to the very throne of grace in your presence, Lord, to the very holy of holies, and we can approach with Full assurance of faith, yes. having our hearts Lord, sprinkled Lord, you, by Lord. the blood of Jesus, and yes. our bodies washed with yes. the water Hallelujah. of the Word. Thank you, Father, as the Word comes forth this morning, God. Thank you. Lord. I ask, Lord, that you help me to preach it, that you anoint thank me to you, preach it, God, yes. with boldness, yes. clarity, Lord. simplicity, yes. and above you, all, Lord. with accuracy, yes. Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Father, help me to thank keep you, myself Lord. out of this message yes. and just say what you said you, and be what you said, Lord. Yes. I thank you and praise you that thank this you, word Lord. is going to go forth and it's going to touch people. It's going to change yes. lives. Hallelujah. It's going to heal the sick, raise the dead. Hallelujah. You, and it's going to save souls this morning, thank Lord. We thank you for the power of the word. Thank we you. thank you that it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged yes. sword. We thank you that it pierces to the dividing of sunder, of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not what comes out of our mouth, Lord. It's what you discern in our hearts that counts. So God, let our hearts be synced with our mouth and let our mouth be synced with our heart and let our heart be synced with you, Lord, and with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father, for good results from this word this morning and this service, Lord. God, that last portion of the service, the praise and worship, that was for you. And this portion is from you to us, Lord. So we thank you and we praise you for it. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated. God bless you as you're seated. Children, you're dismissed. Do we have amplified this morning? Amplified, you're dismissed hallelujah if you have your bibles with you this morning thank you judah that was wonderful i know we missed our bass player but hey you guys did a great job anyway amen the body still functions when part of it's missing or part of it's hurt might limp a little but it still functions amen mark the fourth chapter Chap uh, verse 3, if you will. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. I'm gonna be reading in the King James. You follow along in whatever false translation you have. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is there's a lot of good translations. I use quite a few of them myself. This is the one I covenant teeth on, though. Jesus said, Hearken be. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty. And he said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And so based on what Jesus just said, we should be able to understand the parables that he's speaking. And and that's because we are those that are within. But he said those that are without will not be able to understand them. Those that are not born again will not be able to understand the parables. And then uh, Jesus explained the parable a few verses later in Mark chapter 4, verse 14. He said, the sower soweth the word. How many sowers we got in here? How many got some seed to sow? And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So he's saying here, hear the word, receive the word, and you will produce fruit. It starts with hearing, then it starts with receiving and believing, and then comes the fruit. You'll be a fruit producer and then Jesus taught them some more through parables and in Mark four thirty four, the Bible says but without a parable spake he not unto them and when they were alone he expounded all things to his disciples so in the explanation of this parable Jesus actually is telling them how to use the word and what the word would do for them He expounded, which means that he explained thoroughly. He turned over every rock, and he explained everything thoroughly, all things to his disciples. In other words, he didn't hold back any details because he wants us to understand the word. Now, those that are without, those that really didn't have any interest in Jesus or interest in the words that he was preaching, they didn't understand it. And until you make a commitment to Jesus and until you show some esteem for the word that's being spoken and and you, you're you born again, you're not going to understand the parables. You're not going to understand a whole lot of things that Jesus says. Amen. And, and you know, uh, we have to understand that some people think that the Bible is a big mystery. I used to be one of those. I thought nobody can understand the Bible. I'll let the priests explain it to me. And so I'd go to church on a Sunday morning, have a 15-minute sermonette, and leave there just as dumb as when I walked in. But then, uh, I, got, I was truly born, and it's hard to understand. They think that God, the Holy Ghost, the author of the Bible, wrote it in such a way that he didn't want anybody to understand it. Well, if that was the case, he would have never wrote it. He didn't write the Bible to confuse us or or give us something that we couldn't understand. He wants us to understand it and when you're born again, you begin to understand it. But there's only one message in there for those that are without and it is repent. You don't get nothing until you repent. And then he begins to expound, explain thoroughly all the things that you ask him to explain or that you show interest in. And so, uh, the bible is a spiritual book and it's spiritually discerned and that means that we just we must have the assistance and the help of the holy spirit to help us to understand it and and we we run into problems when we try to figure spiritual things out with the little peanut brain that's in this hard head of ours we can't understand things god is not a logical god he doesn't do things logically he don't do things the way that we think he should or The way that we would do them. His thoughts are way above our thoughts. His ways are way above our ways. And so we get in trouble when we try to discern something spiritual with a natural mind. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man, the carnal thinking unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, because they are foolishness unto him. And the reason they're foolishness unto him is because they're spiritually discerned, and he can't discern them. He don't have the help of the Holy Ghost to, to discern them. Now, there was a time when I thought someone being swallowed by a big fish, spending three days and nights in his belly, and then being puked out on the shore of the very place that he was supposed to go in the first place, I thought that was foolishness. Amen. The prophet Elisha making an axe float in a river. I thought that was foolishness. Why? Peanut brain. No discernment. No Holy Ghost. Three men in a fiery furnace that was fired up seven times hotter than it normally is. And they survived. I thought that was foolishness. A young boy killing a giant with a slingshot and a stone. Foolishness. See, I needed those things explained to me because I didn't understand them. But without a parable, spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. When when they were alone, he didn't explain it to those that were without. Why? They weren't interested. They were there for a free meal and maybe a blessing, maybe a healing. But they had no interest in the healer. They had no interest in the blesser. So, you know, instead of saying the Bible's a mystery and hard to understand, maybe we just need to get alone with God and let Him explain some things to us thoroughly. Let Him expound some things to us. Get in His presence and ask Him. Say, Lord, I don't understand this. Help me with it. And He will. He'll explain things to you. He'll give you revelation, He'll give you understanding. He wants you to understand. This Bible should not be a mystery to those that are within. It shouldn't be a mystery to us. So there shouldn't have been anything that his disciples didn't understand. And yet there was why, even though they're born again, even though, uh, they're with the master and they're being trained by him, they still have carnal thinking at times. So, you know, we're born again, we're with the master. We spend time with him. We go to church. But every once in a while, we get into carnal thinking and we get in trouble with that carnal thinking. We got to stay spiritual where we can understand things. There shouldn't have been anything for his disciples to be afraid of after what Jesus taught them in the word. And especially the things that he expounded on and explained thoroughly to them, the meaning of that word. And he not only explained it thoroughly. But then he demonstrated it and he tested them with it so that they would learn even further. Look in Mark 4.35. We're still in the fourth chapter. It says, And the same day, the same day that he explained the parable of the sower to them, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us cross over unto the other side. And he was talking about the Sea of Galilee. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. A lot of people have their own little ships when they belong on the big ship. But anyway, there arose a great storm of wind. This wasn't your average storm. This wasn't a rainstorm. This was a storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The waves, you know, one thing about a ship or a boat, you got to keep the water outside. But this wind was so strong and a wave so boisterous that they beat themselves into the ship and the ship was filling with water. And he, Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What do you mean what manner of man is this? This is the master. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God came to earth, took on flesh. This is the one that dwells among you. This is the one that is teaching you. This is the one that is demonstrating things to you through miracles and signs and wonders and healings and deliverances. And you want to know what manner of man he is? You should know by now. I mean, this is, but, but Jesus asleep in the hinder part of the ship and it's filling with water on a pillow. I don't know if that was some kind of magical pillow that he floated on in that ship or what, but that water didn't seem to disturb him. The, the storm didn't seem to disturb him. And this is the characteristic of faith. Faith is at rest during a storm. Amen. Faith is at Peace. And faith will even sleep during the storm and when you're in a storm and you find yourself restless and tossing and turning in fear you should be resting you need to when you should be resting you need to check up on your faith if you can't rest in a trial or a test if you can't rest in a storm when the sea is raging and circumstances are uh, against you then you're, you need to check up on your faith because faith will let you rest. Faith will let you sleep. I mean, was it normal for his disciples to act the way they did in the storm? I don't think so because many of them, if not most of them, were fishermen by trade. They were well-seasoned, experienced fishermen. That wasn't the first storm they were ever in. They were familiar with the Sea of Galilee because that's where they did 90% of their fishing, if not all of it. Why would they be in fear of a storm? I mean thank God uh, Jesus was with them. I mean uh, these these were seaworthy fishermen. But you know we can't be too hard on the disciples. It's easy to sit back and say well I would have never got afraid. I, I mean with Jesus in the boat I would have never gotten in fear. But we can't be too hard on them because I'll guarantee it that we're not too happy when we're in a big storm like that and it seems like God is asleep or at least he's not answering us and we think he's asleep, Uh, we could get pretty nervous too. We could get in fear real easy if we think we're on our own, if we think we're going to drown in this storm or drown in these circumstances. But I wonder why the disciples woke him up. I mean it couldn't have been because they wanted him to calm the storm because they were surprised when he did rebuke the storm in common, and then rebuked them. He was rebuking that day. <laughs> Here's the strange part. Even after that, the disciples are still terrified. It, they got in worse fear after Jesus calmed the storm. Uh, but this is a different kind of fear now because it wasn't produced by the storm. The fear came from the coming of the storm. So this had to be a different kind of fear. This had to be a reverential fear, a fear of awe. They realized they were in the presence of an awesome God. And so they were revered by that. That was a reverential fear, a good kind of fear. It's the kind of fear we should all experience. In verse 41, they said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? So I know they were in awe of that. They'd never seen anybody that could speak to wind and waves and storms and calm them with a word. And by this time, they knew who Jesus was, and yet still they doubted him. I mean, I don't know exactly how much time they had spent with him, but the 12 had been with him for a while. They'd seen a lot of miraculous things, and, and yet they doubted him. I believe that's why Jesus rebuked them for their fear. He said in verse 40, Why are you so fearful? Have you no faith? How is it that you have no faith? I mean, how is it that you have no faith after all the things that I showed, showed you and all the things that we've been through? How is it that you have no faith? I mean, he said to two people in the Bible, as far as I know, he He He." told two people that they had great faith, and neither one of them was a disciple. Matter of fact, neither one of them was a Jew. One was a Syrophoenician woman, the other one was a centurion, a Roman soldier. And I bet when he said, I have not seen so great faith, no, not in Israel, I bet you he gave his disciples the evil eye. I haven't seen no faith in Israel, you disciples. How is it that this Roman has great faith? How is it this heathen woman has great faith? And you have little faith or no faith. But let me stop here for a second because there's something here I want us to learn. Fear is the absence of faith and faith is the absence of fear. You can't have them both. You're either going to be in faith or you're going to be in fear. There's no straddling the fence. There's no sitting in the middle on this one. And, and you know, that was so good, I'm going to say it again. Fear is the absence of faith, and faith is the absence of fear. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, you know, after their near-death experience, you'd think that Jesus would comfort them, have a little compassion for them, sympathize them with them sympathize with them a little bit. I mean, they were almost drowned. They almost died. But no, he rebukes them for not having faith. And it seems like he was hard on them. It seems like. But, you know, is there evidence in this passage that Jesus, the omniscient, all-knowing one, didn't know he was about to enter this storm? I think he did know. I think he knew what was coming I think it this was a test for the disciples he could have said you know hey there's a storm coming let's just wait till the storm blows and then we'll go to the other side but no he launched out knowing that there was a storm on the horizon why he wanted to test their faith he wanted to see if they learned anything from the word that he expounded on and explained thoroughly he wanted to see if they realized what the word was and how it worked And so he allowed them to get into this storm. You know we get into storms sometimes. Sometimes we cause them. Amen. But other times we're innocent victims and we get into storms. But he taught us enough to know how to get through the storm. You know I I think he knew there was gonna be a storm but it must have bothered him because Jesus is the one who suggested the boat trip, then he gets in the boat, promptly goes to sleep on a pillow, maybe it's one of them floaty pillows. But I'm pretty sure that the disciples were familiar with the 23rd Psalm, I think they had that, they had the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, but I'm pretty sure they had the Psalms and maybe Proverbs too. And they're familiar with the 23rd Psalm, where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Why didn't they fear any evil? Because they knew he was with them. And so the application in our lives is that even when Jesus leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, or leads us through a storm, we should fear no evil. Zip, nada, none. Amen. No evil. Why? Because he's with us. He's got a rod and a staff. The rod to protect us, the staff to guide us. Amen. Amen. And he was in the boat with him, right? Yep. Had no reason to fear. So we should rest in faith during the storms of life and be assured that our boat is not going down because Jesus is in it. And you know, Jesus... Knew he was going to the other side. He knew he was going to get to the other side if he had to walk. But the disciples didn't have that confidence. They didn't have that much faith. I mean, when God says something, he gives you his word. It's your job to receive it and believe it and produce fruit from it. And if you believe it and receive it, then you're going to get to the other side. I don't care what the storm is or what caused the storm. You're going to get to the other side of it. Why? Because the word is in you. You believed it. You received it. And you're going to produce the fruit, whatever it is. In this case, getting to the other side. That was the fruit for this word. And it doesn't matter if he's sleeping or not. He's in the boat. Don't wake him up. Because you're going to get rebuked. You still out there? All right. But how would they have responded if they had faith number one they would have never woke them up they would have trusted his very presence to keep them safe just based on the 23rd psalm but let me give you another example of someone that can sleep during a storm and this storm wasn't actually on the water in acts the 12th chapter verses 1 through 6 It says now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church he was persecuting the church and he killed James the brother of John with the sword and because he saw it pleased the Jews he proceeded further to take Peter also but then were the days of unleavened bread in other words it was the season of Passover the Passover celebration the holiday But, I mean, just killing James and uh, then arresting Peter, that should have been enough to put all the disciples in fear. I'm sure some of them were already hiding, but they got a hold of Peter. And when he had apprehended Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. That's 16 soldiers for one man, and he's bound hands and foot in chains. But to keep him intending that after Easter, after the Passover and Easter, to bring him forth to the people and kill him. So Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping. He was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the gatekeepers before the door kept the prison, sleeping, just had a death sentence. As soon as this holiday is over, we're gonna kill you. Probably the same way they killed James. Why? Because it pleased the Jews. It pleased the people. And that's what religion does. It pleases the people but not God. And I'm not getting down on our Catholic friends. I was a Catholic 38 years. But we have a woke pope. And the reason he's woke is because he's trying to please the people, but he's not pleasing God. Amen? Amen. And that's what religion does it pleases people and, and has no regard for what pleases God. Peter, we're going to kill you just like we did James, but we can't do it today because it's a holiday. I got plans. We have a turkey today. But right after this holiday, <laughs> we coming to get you, and we're going to take you out and execute you in front of all the people just like we did James. Because we want to please the people. Peter said, okay, whatever, and went to sleep. Went to sleep. You know, it wasn't that long ago, I got a death sentence. And as much faith as I had, and as much word that I had in me, plus plus adding more daily and quoting and meditating on scriptures, I had anxiety every night. I ain't afraid to admit it. I fought with fear. I never got into it, but I fought with it. And the 23rd Psalm was one of my biggest meditations in the middle of the night. I'd quote the whole 23rd Psalm, and i keep quoting it over and over and over until peace come upon me. The anxiety left, the peace came, and then I was just like Peter, I slept. But I could have let that anxiety get a hold of me. I could have got in fear. And then what little faith I did have and was trying to hold on to would have left. Because you can't have both. You gotta have fear or faith. Or faith or fear. But not both. They don't intermingle. You can't even mix them a little. Well, I was a little afraid. No. You was either in fear or you was in faith. There's no in between. You know, are we losing sleep because of fear? Fear brings worry and anxiety, and anxiety brings this ugly stepsister stress, and it just gets worse from there. But I was up all night praying, no, you wasn't. You was having a glorified worry session, and you tried to drag God into it. Just tell it like it is. Because if you were really praying, it wouldn't have been all night and you'd have been sleeping. Right. At some point, you got to say amen and go to sleep and sleep like a baby. That's faith. Don't shout me down just because I'm praying. <laughs> Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. Let us cross over. Now, remember, he taught the meaning. Uh, He taught them the meaning of the parable of the sower. He talked to them all day about the word because he talked about other parables and expounded them to him. And now he's going to test them. And, you know, your tests come in the middle of the storm. You know, Pastor Gene said, test imoni. He separated them. Because without the test, all you got is the monies. You don't have a testimony until you went through the test. People want to have testimonies without the test. It don't work that way. But Jesus didn't say, Let's go in the middle of the, the lake and drown. Nobody would have gotten the boat, would they? No, Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. You're gonna cross the whole lake. I don't know how long, how far it was, or how wide. But the Bible says, While the storm was raging. He's in the hinder part of the boat asleep, and the boat's full, filling with water. And he wasn't up walking around, biting his nails and scratching and, and, and wondering if they were going to make it through the storm, if they would ever make it to the other side. Or are they going down? Are they going to die? He wasn't worried about that. He was sleeping. Faith was resting. And, and remember, he just spent the day with his disciples expounding the word. Not just that parable, but... I'm sure he expounded on every question that they asked. In this particular case, they asked about the parable of the sower. But what came before that, after that, in between that? I'm sure they were asking them questions, and Jesus all day expounding, explaining thoroughly the word. Making sure that they understood the word without any doubt. Just like he's trying to do to us this morning. He said, when the word is sown and received in faith, expect something to happen. What? Satan coming immediately to take it out of your heart. Yeah. Count on it. Yeah. He said it would happen. And not only that, he's going to steal the word out of your heart, the faith in your heart, and replace it with fear. But you've got to let him do that. He can't force it on you. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. That was the word. Jesus was the living word. He was the word made flesh. So the word, the living word said, let us cross over to the other side. That was all the word they needed. All the word they needed. He was the living word. We got the spoken word. But the living word told them, let us cross over to the other side. That should have been the end of it right there. Storm or no storm. I mean, Peter told Jesus, don't you care we're fixing to perish? Don't you care we're going to die in this storm? That's what he said when he woke him up. But what happened to the word Jesus spoke, let us cross over to the other side. Just a few minutes earlier. The devil came and stole him and they lit him, and replaced it with fear. Because when Peter said that, he was in great fear. Well, if that's what Peter thought, then he must not have been believing that uh, we were going over to the other side like Jesus said we would. I mean, that word that they got is no different than the word that we we read every every day, every week, every couple of weeks, every month no difference the word is the word the word of God was replaced with the word of the devil and faith replaced uh, or faith was replaced with fear but if Peter thinks he's dying then he must not be believing that God cares because he said cares thou not God always cares I don't care what you're going through God cares I don't care if you caused a problem God cares. I don't care if it's all your fault. God still cares for you. But he's already accepted into his mind that he's going to die. And he doesn't believe that God's word is bigger than the devil's word. I mean, that's what fear is. When you get into fear, you think the devil's word is mightier than God's word. Or you'd never get into fear he's not walking by faith now he's walking by sight he's walking by what he sees and that's the same thing when jesus walked to meet him on the water he walked uh on the water and peter sees him coming and, and jesus says fear not it is i and peter says if it be you lord i just told you it was me if it be you lord bid me come to thee in other words call me out on the water and he did. And, and Peter walked on the water for a while. Give the old boy a little credit. He got out of the boat. He walked on the water for a little while. But when he seen that the waves and the wind were boisterous, he began to sink. And he says, save me, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and saved him. So he, he cares. He always cares. And again, Peter got rebuked for a lack of faith. But, you know, rather than speak the word, he's repeating what the devil said. It takes just as much energy to repeat what God said as it does to repeat what the devil says. But what do we always do when when there's a chance we go either way? We go to the dark side. You get a diagnosis and the first thing you think is the worst. Why not think the best? You know, I, I mean, This is heartburn from pizza. It's not cancer. And and no matter what it is, God can heal it. He's not going to let you go down in it. Amen. But he's repeating what the devil said, and he has declared that what the devil said is greater than what Jesus said. You know, when we're not in a storm, we say, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. We say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We say, I'm more than a conqueror, hallelujah, when we're not in the storm. But then the storm comes. You get a bad doctor's report or we get hit with an unexpected expense that we don't have the money to cover. And then fear replaces our faith and we think we're going to drown in our circumstance. Why think like that? You already got the word. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He said, I am your great physician. And he said, I'll supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We got the word. Why replace it with the devil's word? Says that you ain't going to make it. And you're not going to be healed of this. And I'm not saying it's not a fight. It is. I went through it too. You probably all went through it at one time or another. You have to make a choice, I'm sticking with God or I'm gonna believe the devil and if you believe the devil you're gonna get in fear and he's gonna run away with you, come on now this is a faith church, we even have it in our name, Faith Fellowship Church, so faith must be important at least to us, I mean we teach it quite a bit, and we put a lot of emphasis on the fact that without faith it's impossible to please God we have to have faith in order to please God as a matter of fact we are all well aware of that I mean nobody in here doesn't know that passage of scripture Hebrews 11 6 that without faith it's impossible to please God I must have repeated it a hundred times in this church at least we know the word, and there's a lot of people in the church the, the universal church and our church as well that believe they have faith, but when it comes down to it, they have very little faith or no faith at all. I'm preaching good if you, even if you don't say amen, I'm preaching good. good, morning. good morning. Yes. Now anyone can have faith. God's no respecter of persons. He said it says that He dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we all have a measure of faith, and God give it to us. But with a lot of people, it has never been developed into something bigger. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how you increase faith. That's the only way that you increase faith is more work. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It means we've got to hear it and hear it and hear it. It's not I heard it one time. You have to hear it and hear it and hear it. I mean, uh, and then the only way that your faith gets stronger is when you exercise it. And you develop it. You don't exercise it. You don't go through life. Accepting the challenges. That are set before you. And standing in faith against them. Your faith will stay weak and feeble. Your faith gets stronger. It comes by hearing. But gets stronger by exercising it. And using it. Amen. We've talked to people. And they talk like they have faith. Sometimes even act like they have faith, but when a crisis comes along, they're overwhelmed with fear and you can tell it real easy because that's the first thing that comes out of their mouth is something negative. Pastor Ed was meditating on a scripture in Ephesians, I think it's the fourth chapter. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed forth out of your mouth except that which is good to the use of edifying and ministers grace to the hearer. What's a corrupt word? Anything that's contrary to the word of God. It's corrupt. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Keep it to yourself. Uh, I don't remember if it was Pastor Gene or, or Pastor Betty this morning was talking about some something about the mouth. Yeah, that was you, huh? Yeah. I mean, this is what controls it all. This is what controls your life. But faith and fear... Like i said can never operate together they're diametrically opposed to one another and if you're in fear, you can't be in faith period in the sentence and there's a lot of people that are calling things faith but it's not faith see god is telling us we don't have to be afraid again and again in the bible god tells his children not to be afraid hundreds of fear knots in the bible and they're all there for a reason somebody i've heard it said i've heard it preached. I never counted them. I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody said there's 365 fear knots in the Bible. I don't know if there are or not. There may be more, maybe a little less, but I know one thing, there's a lot of fear knots in the Bible. When Hagar and her son Ishmael were banished from Abraham's land, an angel told Hagar, do not be afraid, God has heard your prayers. And God said to Abraham, who was also known as the father of faith, He said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Don't be afraid. When Isaac was expelled from his land by the Philistines and forced to move from place to place, God appeared to him and reminded him, do not be afraid for I am with you, Jacob. I mean, Isaac. And when Jacob was fearful of traveling in his old age, God told him, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. I will make you a great nation how many times Moses reminded the Israelites not to be afraid because God was with them and would fight for them after Moses death God made the same commitment to his predecessor Joshua as he encouraged him he said be strong and courageous be not afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go he's in the boat from David to Elijah, from uh, Isaiah to Jeremiah, God continuously reminds his people to fear not. When Joseph considered canceling his engagement to Mary, what happened? The angel comes to him and tells him, don't be afraid. Why? That's the first thing we, that's our first response to a lot of things, and there's nothing wrong with that, but then you got to get control of it. You've got to take control of it. Um, uh, when Jesus charged the 12 disciples with their responsibility, he told them, first of all, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who would seek to harm you for proclaiming the truth. You know, uh, that's like with me. I used to have a spirit of intimidation. I would get intimidated preaching the word sometimes. Not all the time, but but sometimes i get in- intimidated until I realized, what am I intimidated about? It ain't my word. It's his word. I'm just repeating it. And then I I was delivered from man's face it's hard to to intimidate me anymore the women gathered at the empty tomb to see what happened to the resurrected Lord and the message was the same do not be afraid another time the disciples were in a storm and Jesus came walking to them on the water and the first thing he had to say was be not afraid they thought he was a ghost And I'm not saying we don't have legitimate reasons to fear. What I'm saying is that you shouldn't let fear overcome you because it's going to push your faith out and it's going to take over. And you know, Job said, the very thing I feared has come upon me. So those things you're fearing, you better watch out. They might come upon you. You got to get control of them. God never said your faith wouldn't be challenged. He never said you wouldn't be tempted to fear. And and, you know, this is something I learned over the years is that faith doesn't necessarily keep you out of the storms. Sometimes uh, your faith can get you around the storm, get you out of it, keep you out of a storm, but more times than not you find yourself in the storm and faith will always get you out of it. Might not keep you from going into it, but it will always keep you, get you out of it. Uh, The Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had faith, and they got thrown in the furnace anyway. The faith didn't keep them from going in, but it sure got them out of there when the fourth man showed up in the fire. Amen? John said, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. You born of God? You're a world overcomer. He said, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I don't care what's in the world. I don't care what the devil can throw at you. I don't care what the circumstances are. If you got faith, that's your path to victory. It overcomes the world and everything in it. There's no unique set of circumstances for any one person. What you're going through, been through, or about to go through, somebody's already been there. Somebody's already been through it. That's one of the reasons that that Paul told us, fail not to assemble yourselves together, especially as you see the day approaching. Why? So we can have fellowship. We can share our testimonies. We can tell somebody, hey, it ain't as bad as you think, man. I made it through that. I've been there. I made it. You can make it. And then they can give you some strategies. Amen. Amen. Of course, God can do all of that, but he wants you to have fellowship with other believers hallelujah God said we're more than conquerors he said he would never leave us or forsake us I mean that's we could just hang on to that scripture right there he's with you all the time never leave you or forsake you amen and I said this before the Holy Ghost don't wait outside the door when you go into that door of sin he's right in there with you you're ignoring them uh-huh. you're cutting them off uh-huh. but he's there it ain't like uh, just wait right here I'll be back in a little bit no never leave you forsake you he said these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world who? The one that's in you. The one that's with you all the time. The one that will never leave you or forsake you. He's there. You ain't going down. Not as long as he's in the boat. And he'll always be in the boat. Once you invite him in, he don't leave. Amen. He might not be pleased with you sometimes. He might not be pleased with the things you do, but he never does this or leave. He's right there with you, Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. Give you glory and honor. Thank you, Father, for the word to come forth today. God, I know you want us to understand the word, and you want us to understand it totally. Paul told us to spray, to pray, spray. Yeah, to pray for a manifestation of the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, I mean, why would you tell us to pray for it if you ain't willing to give it to us? So, Lord, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in all the things that's in the Bible. All the word that you've spoken, Lord, give us wisdom and revelation. Give us understanding. Flood our hearts with light so that we may know. Explain these things to us, Lord. Expound them to us. Explain them thoroughly to us, Lord. Give us understanding. We recognize that we need the help of the Holy Spirit to discern this word because it is a spiritual word. And God, anytime that we don't understand something, anytime we need wisdom, you said to ask of you and you'll give it to all men and upbraid it and not withhold it from anybody. So, Lord, we ask you for wisdom. We ask you for revelation. We ask you for understanding in all the things that we read in your word, Father. All the things that are preached, give us that spiritual discernment that we need to know if it's yea or nay, if it's true or false, Lord. And God, give us the gumption and the unction to search the word to find out if those things that even I'm saying is true. Let us prove the word by the word, God. And we thank you and praise you that we are not unlearned. That we are not without wisdom and revelation. That we are not without uh, discernment of the word. We thank you and praise you for it, God. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just wait on the Lord a minute. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Pastor, come on, I want to lay hands. I'm, I'm Pastor Dean and Pastor Betty. I want to pray for them. I'm not going to tell you, you can sit down, you can sit down. I'm not going to tell you anything that you probably don't already know. But I've been there myself. I'm still there. I'm walking through it myself right now. But the devil will come along and try to intimidate you. they will try to tell you that uh, you're past your time. It's too late to start something. But I just wanna encourage you, and and I'm not saying that you need to be encouraged in this area. I think you're a man and woman of faith, and you know exactly what you're doing. You know the word, and you know how to walk walk in it and work the word, and it will work for you. You know all these things. But I just wanna say that, you know, Moses was 80 years old when he started his ministry. I mean, Caleb and, and uh, Joshua, I mean, Caleb is conquering mountains in his age. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. And you know, uh, there's there's things in the Bible tell us that, uh, you know, our eyes will not grow dim and all these other things. But uh, again, I know that you know these things. But I just want to enforce them. I want to anoint you today. And I want to just pray over you and, and, and thank God for you and thank God for your ministry just tell you, what I feel in my spirit right now is, is uh, that uh, the best is yet to come. You haven't yes, seen nothing yes, yet. Yes, and yes, God, God is going to strengthen, strengthen your bodies in the name Thank of Jesus. You're yes, going to feel Lord. a rejuvenation yes. go through your body, yes, through Lord. your bones, yes, into Lord. your legs, into your, your yes, hips. And you're going to walk with a straight gate and you're not going to be, be like Jacob who walked with a limp because God touched yes, the hollow yesterday. of his thigh. So God's going to touch your body, your soul, your mind, and he's going to thrust you forth into the harvest field. And you're going to experience things that you've never seen heretofore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you're going to be anointed and appointed and prepared for these times that are coming upon you. And your ministry is going to be great. Hallelujah. You're going to lay hands on the sick and they are going to recover. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. You're going to anoint others, and they're going to be thrust forth. And you're going to speak and minister even to pastors. Hallelujah. And you're, going to, you're going to share your ministry with them. And God's going to begin to open doors. I believe with all my heart, He's going to be, begin to open doors. Even more than you expect. And even more than you know. Yes. But you're going to have the strength to go through them. And you're going to have the strength to see it out. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now touch them, Lord, right, yes, now, right now, from the top of their heads Jesus. to the soles of their feet, yes, God. Let you your spirit go you through them. Lord, and driving Lord. out sickness, disease, yes. the weaknesses yes. in Jesus' name. And God, they're going to feel a new thank anointing. They're going to feel they're going to feel a, a, a new energy and praise. new strength come into Ooh. their bodies. Thank it's going to come Lord, in now. like a yes. like a flood. In Jesus' yes. name. Yes. And we thank you yes. and praise you for these precious minister of God. In Jesus' Thank name, yeah. God, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Blessings. hallelujah. Blessings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we just lift up Anybody in here that has a need this morning, whether it's a touch in their body, a financial need, a perplexing problem. God, we know that you have the answers. We look to you this morning. God, I ask you to touch and heal everybody in here that has a need in their body this morning in Jesus' name. God, I ask you to give them that idea. Give them that answer that they're looking for to that perplexing problem. Because it may be a problem to us, but it's not a problem to you. So we thank you and praise you for that right now, Lord. Thank you, Father, for guidance. Somebody in here needs guidance this morning. They they got a decision that's before them that's going to be a life-altering decision. I don't know who it is, but they're in this room right here, not just in our Facebook audience. It could be in the Facebook audience as well. But I know for a fact somebody in here right now is facing a life-altering decision. Make sure you seek God. Make sure you get his mind on this thing before you make a hasty decision. Because it's going to affect lives. Thank you. Thank, you, Lord. Thank, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember Jesus is Lord.